Welcome to the People's Show. Coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintec.net. We always welcome your texts, your submissions, 650-650, into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Dunbar Lumber, with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street. Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver. Online at DunbarLumber.com. A listener asked me the other day, it's like, hey, can you still call into the show? It's like, yeah, if you want, 604-280-0650. But they said you never say the phone numbers, so. 604-280-0650 604-280-0650 if you want to call into the show as well. We have Mark Edwards coming up in the second half of the show uh, from HockeyProspect.com, the scouting service. Uh, they putting out their guide. So we'll talk a little NHL draft. Now that it's officially the offseason, it's here. Dom, you and I, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the, the, the finals, like getting ready. Yeah. All right, we were still in the conference finals for both leagues, and we just said, we want these series to end. Let's get to the offseason. Well, we're here. It's a, official. A trouncing last night, but both series are now over in five games. So it's off-season time now. Uh, congrats to the Vegas Golden Knights, as uh, I think we're obliged to say, I guess, when a, a team hands out a championship. We're like, yeah, congrats to them. Just reflecting on the conversation we had on Monday about how it seemed like kind of not hyped, mm-hmm. those games – when the actual trophy was won, it felt hyped. I always love trophy presentations. Yes. Yeah. Right? It's you see a bunch of people fulfilling their dream yeah. and the euphoria of it all. And- or if you're Jokic not giving a damn. <laughs> Eleven other guys really cared. Yeah. But yes. Uh last night, like seeing a bunch of those players, that was really cool. And I'm sure everyone's seen the picture going out of the the, the guys all gathered together. It looks like a heart and by the way, I didn't really realize Phil Kessel was uh, oh yeah, joining the Bald Squad. Bald is best. We're, we're, we're out here. He needs to fully commit, though. A- another big acquisition for the Bald Squad, Phil Kessel. Both physically and spiritually. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Phil Kessel shows up, you're winning. Yeah. With hot dogs. That's what's going on. So, yeah. Bald Squad is dominating right now. Before you move on, I just want to mention, live on air, uh, because I've only said it on Twitter, NHL merch sucks. It's the worst. What, you didn't like the scarves? No. I thought it was kind and of And the a hats cool touch. are just lame. I, I thought the scarves, like, it was it was noticeable. I understand it's like, hey, scarves are a soccer thing. Yes. But it did stand out to me. I was like, oh, scarves. There's something new. The towels I understood. Towels, yeah. The scarves? Uh-uh. I, I kind of dug it. And the shirts don't look good. Like, they just need to do a better job. Graphic design is Dom's passion. It is. Uh, so what was the problem with the merch? It's just bland. When you compare it to other leagues, it's just bland. The hats are terrible. Yeah, they're awful. So plain. The ones in the NBA are fire. W- was it not just like NBA champs 2023? Yeah, but all- like big, beautiful font, logos everywhere. Oh my goodness. There was some thought put into it. The line spacing in the italics was fantastic. Yes. That's, that's yeah, what we're matters. talking about? It does oh matter. Oh, my goodness. You want to rock that in social situations. The NHL goes on ChatGPT and goes, make me a championship hat. Dom is the guy that bought uh, conference finals gear, too, so I don't know. So he, 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 is, One he, is, piece. Pro, One piece. he is pro uh, perfection Design. with the merch. Yes. Yes. What was so special about that merch that you were like, oh, wow. the They used 
a certain font. I can't even think of other fonts has... outside of Calibri and Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the only Tahoma. two fonts I know. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Times New Roman. Ariel. <laughs> now we're t- Comic Sans. <laughs> You know the tweet that's like, dude, just love listing sports players? Yes. We're just listing fonts right now. Yes. And we're having the best time. So, if, if, if it just needs to look good. Like, it just needs to look like you put some effort into it. The NHL, year after year, puts out what feels like the same design, slightly tweaked. It's like copying your friend's homework and changing two words. Fair. Fair. Anyways, merch. Uh, awesome. We'll tuck that conversation away for now. Thank you. For another day. Dom really wanted to get that off of his chest, though. Thank you. Uh, Vegas Golden Knights do win the championship. Again, congratulations to them. Uh, as we're trying to, like, learn lessons from them as we have in this discussion of who's copying who when you get to the Final Four, what are things. Last night, once the celebrations go up and you see the, the management staff on the ice and they're all celebrating, you know, one thing that stands out, too, about Vegas is – They've been unforgiving in their roster construction. Remember the conversations of, hey, you, you got to do it with Marc-Andre Fleury. Can't, can't lose him and unceremoniously dumping him. They've done this for a bunch of their players. They have six left, and that was a nice touch. Uh, the five guys starting it and the six guys all touching the cup first after Mark Stone. By the way, quick shouts to you with the graphic design. Stanley Cup covering the sword. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's just me. Had to bleep posting on uh, on on Twitter dot com. I liked it. Uh, <laughs> didn't get enough as a uh, run as I thought it would. It mattered to me. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Uh, the the unforgiving roster construction that was the Vegas Golden Knights is it all forgiven now because you won, right? There's no discussion 15 years down the road that's like, oh, it, it's the Marc-Andre Fleury curse. They didn't treat a guy well, and they're never going to win because of it. Do you like the unforgiving nature of a team being this ruthless to achieve their goal, which they have now fulfilled? Or is there still something to be said about the way they did this? Yes. So, so winning doesn't cure everything? No, it does. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you're – who are the people that win fantasy sports most often? It's the ones that can can separate their love for their team, their their, their real-life team. I, I'm the worst person to discuss with this because I love winning with my guys in fantasy. Right, but the guys that are able to just be ruthless yeah. and cut – even if, like, if I cut a Philly mm-hmm. or if I cut a Canuck or a Jet or whatever, if it's for the greater good, those are the people that sure. win fantasy championships. And yeah. it's the same thing in professional sports. Like Wally Buono in this market, if you want to compare mm-hmm. it to, to, the, to the Lions or the CFL, something local, Wally Buono was amazing at that. Mm-hmm. Or he, he saw a guy was on the decline of his career, and it didn't matter if G. Roy Simon was a local hero. Claremont. On you go. Yeah. Your time has passed. Thank you for your, your service. And the Vegas Golden Knights – did that to perfection. And it culminates last night. Uh, but again, it, it just goes to that conversation because for, for every part of fandom is championships. Like, that's why you're a fan. You want to see your team succeed. You want to feel the euphoria of victory. Part of it is getting attached to players. And having, I don't want to say heroes, but... People that you enjoy watching. 
do you uh, put all that aside once you get the championship? And we've had that conversation here of does it matter you want to win this style or if you win a cup, do you care how it how it looks? If they're pure defense and it's a bunch of unentertaining 2-1 games, will you learn to love the players? And I think that's the lesson here. It's People always learn to love the players. And the unforgiving nature of how the Vegas Golden Knights got here in a handful of years. That's the other part of this, too. Uh, a hat tip to Bill Foley for having the foresight and the declaration of saying, hey, we're going to do this in six years. And I think now that they've won a trophy and you see the response and, and winning it on home ice, too, because it was good to see that connection. Because I think there's still some skepticism of fans outside of Vegas, especially here in Canada. We say, hey, they, like, they don't deserve it. And do they really love hockey? And to actually see it last night, although they didn't boo Gary Bettman. Yeah, I know a lot of people. That, <laughs> it's been six years. You know what to do. Yeah, you should know what to do. But. I, I think looking back at what Foley was saying, wanting to do this in six years was kind of prophetic because kind of, but not even just that. Like we we need to do this in a certain, or we we want to do it because we're just making this big stance, and and not just because they did it, but because like the NHL is going to get a lot of applause for being the first league and. and They've gotten it, and they should continue to do it, being the first league to jump into Vegas. And think of now of, of why that's important to win that championship, because the NFL is the NFL, right? They will always reign supreme. But the NHL goes in first, makes this connection, and it's not just about being first now. They've reinforced it with the championship. And that, to me, is always going to be the thing that says, this is how you create lifelong fans. Yes, you are first. But, man, the engine that is the NFL will always win. But because there's this declaration, and now because they followed through on it, how much more will that resonate with fans in that market to create this long-lasting legacy? And I think it's going to be even tougher. Like, if you've been to Vegas since they've opened, like, there is a genuine connection there. And obviously the tragedy that happened before the team opened up, that played a big role in it too. But that six-year span... And wanting to capitalize on that now that they have done it, a lot of credit has to go to their ownership for picturing this. And, and not just making a bold statement for the sake of bold statements. We've seen players go into new markets and say, hey, I'm, I'm coming here to win a Stanley Cup and all that sort of stuff. But they, going back, they were unforgiving about this. This is, they depleted their assets. They obviously started with a bunch, but they were maniacal in trying to get this. And they have now done it. Do you think Vancouver fans would uh, support the same type of behavior from their management if it meant success? Well, has there not been a little snippet of that here? Why? Because you traded Bo? I mean, it's a trading a captain. There, like, there was a lot of people that wanted to resign. Now, but did they not trade players? That were on extent like more contracts sure. than and, just expired. And people are gonna flood in text yeah. right now. They're like, hey, they, they kept JT and, and yes, that's a, a valid point too. But if if you if you win, I think a lot is forgiven. Right. But you don't know what the finish line is gonna be when you make right. the decision. That's why I asked the question. So like if they if, if Alvin and Rutherford tomorrow said, Okay, for the better of of the team, for the good of the team. We have this great trade package, and we're mm -hmm. trading out Pedersen and Hughes, and we're getting this insane package back. 
People would revolt. People would riot. Not, no pun intended. Or like, <laughs> I know that's a Our, our phone lines would be hot. How yeah. about that? And, and in the moment, it's tough. In the moment, you're kind of like, wait, what are you doing? Why are you trading away these star players? But, like, then you got to... The thing is, but, like, that's not totally analogous because they traded, like, an... That they moved off an older Marc Andre Fleury. Sure. Right? So, like, there was real logic in doing it. It's heartless because of what he meant to the team. It's one of the first guys. He was the face of the franchise. It's heartless, but they were kind of a year ahead of making the right decision. They had to take it in the teeth for a while, and they ultimately end up winning. Doing it for 24, 23-year-old players is a bit bit rich. What about training Max Pacioretty? Yeah, but there's another star guy. You just on your way. Good player, both star. Come on, strong player. I'm pretty sure he's an all star. I, I meant star in the yeah, yeah, idea no, of it, but we're really strong player. Really like Max Pacioretty, but yeah, like that's another guy. They they bring in and they move out salary cap reasons and those types of transactions. If you win, the thing is you have to back it up with winning and. Fans in this market, I don't know because they haven't seen enough winning here recently. Uh, I, I think there's a fatigue with a certain amount of this group, and that's why the the refreshment of you know Mikheyev coming in and all the, and Ethan Bear, who by the way uh, report today, uh, shoulder shoulder surgery done, four to five months brings in a whole host of other questions of what to do with this summer with Ethan Bear. Is it a one year RFA deal? Do you even entertain the idea of? qualifying him if he's not going to be 100% to start the season and you're going to work your way back it's something that's part of the equation it's unfortunate that it happened at the world championships really glad he got a gold medal out of it uh, but it's something that's now on the table that they have to work around another conversation that the Canucks brass is going to have to think about of what are their options because now the trade value is shot I know he was in the season ticket holder letter. That's just words on a paper. It's not necessarily action. That conversation completely changes if he's going to, and especially for a team that has to start well. Someone that you were kind of banking on is their status is a bit uh, questionable to begin the season. 650, 650, Alistair in Victoria. The fan response when the horn went was downright pathetic. Standing around with their phones out, not clapping or yelling, just standing around waiting to go home. Vegas fans may show up in spades, but they don't have any passion. That's a deep you know what? Reach. You know what it is. It, like I feel like we did this thing when LeBron scored the winner or the record breaker for points, and there was that picture. It's like yeah. everyone had their phones out except for Phil Knight. <laughs> That's just twenty twenty three, man. People are gonna have their phones out all. But the time. also, Alistair needs to recognize that. How many minutes had gone by? They already knew they were winning. That and that arena yeah. was rocking every time a goal was scored. Like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna yeah. cheer for 25 minutes. <laughs> it was over early, and it was yeah. just a party for well over an hour. Six fifty, six fifty. Uh, this one, Mike and Willoughby. Uh, Beck, I thought the reason to be a fan was to understand masochism. <laughs> Ah, uh, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Because uh, last night, uh, what happened in Oakland? There are some fans that are going through that yeah, right now. Yeah, exactly. So, take me through this, Dom. R- reverse boycott yesterday in Oakland. Yeah. For the Oakland Athletics. 
So Ace fans are fed up with the owner of Gap mm-hmm. uh, owning their team. Shots fired at Gap. Yeah. And uh, they've pretty much boycotted this whole year. I think they're only drawing 5,000 on average, maybe less, in Oakland Coliseum, which is a cavernous hole in the ground. Which is like what? Uh, 700 people a win? Yeah. I just hey, they're on that. an eight-game or seven-game yeah. winning streak. Too. Give them credit. Yeah, yeah, give them credit. So yesterday, this was planned months in advance. They held this uh, reverse boycott where they sold, I think, uh, 28,000 uh, tickets uh, there and abouts for the game. And so what they did is they held a moment of silence for one at-bat uh, mid-game. And the following at-bat after the moment of silence – the whole arena in unison uh, chanted, sell the team, sell the team, sell the team. And it went viral on social, and yeah. everyone was talking about it. And I mean, we're talking about it. We're, we're t- I think it's the first time in the People Show history we're talking about the Oakland Athletics. Probably. I salute the fans, right? Be defiant. Well, let's talk about, like, be ambitious, compete. Yeah. Like, here's some fans competing. I think they're going to lose. Yes, because money wins. And, and I think they've already lost. I like the idea that they did it, but is it trying to fix the problem after it's already been solved? And and solved is relative because they're not going to get the conclusion that they want. But is is this not a little bit too late? Perhaps. But I take you back to, I believe it was 2010, and we were all convinced that the Sacramento Kings were moving mm-hmm. to Seattle. And that city came together, the the mayor at the time uh, figured out a way to get a consortium of owners to buy the team and keep it in Sacramento. Was it not Kevin Johnson? I think so, yeah. Yeah, former uh, Phoenix Suns Yeah, uh, managed to keep the team in Sacramento. So there is an instance where it worked out. Now, we know it, mm-hmm. we know it too well in Vancouver and, and Seattle as well, what it's like to have a team ripped out from you because owners are too cheap to – to invest in the club, or they have a a agenda all along to cheap out so that fans don't show up, and then you have a reason to leave, which is what's seemingly happened in Oakland as well. Yeah, I, again, I, I salute them, but it feels like you've already lost. And if, if you want to just say your piece, they've said it now. Go out with a bang. Go out with a bang. But also there are mechanisms in place that yeah. can prevent them from moving if MLB wants. The problem is, Vic, the problem is, is that the financial upside of moving to Vegas is it's too high. It's huge. And, and even if they were bought and stayed in Oakland. The value of the franchise would, would still be lower than yeah. if they just moved to Vegas. And that's always going to be the issue. Yeah. Is Especially you, in a revenue-sharing league. You're... You need like this level of support all of the time, yeah, to make it viable. Well, look at the Jets, Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, that's a team that has to draw. They're being threatened. Otherwise, yeah, it's the exact same situation. Rising tides raise all ships. So if if Oakland's valuation can go up by a billion dollars just because they moved from Oakland to Vegas. The rest of the league, all the owners in the rest of the league are like, you mean we can raise our valuations too? Look, we just had a sale in, in the NHL. $950 billion for the Ottawa yeah, Senators. Yeah, million. Franchise values now creep up. 
I shouldn't even say creep up. They go up. Yeah. I've said this on Central a couple of weeks ago with Sat. I think over the next five years, I'll set the over-under at four and a half sales in the NHL. Not even just North American team sales. I think four and a half sales. I think that's a perfect number because I could see four or five. I think three is too low, six is too many. I think it's going to be that number. Because there's some teams that require some investments, and it's just easier to sell. It's just easier to look at this and like, I'm going to get a billion too? Are you kidding me? $1.2 billion? When I bought for $250 million. When I bought for nothing. Yeah. Nothing. And I'm going to clear a billion, and someone else can put all the investment into it. Because yeah. when, you're, when you're spending a billion too, billion three ain't much more to just boost the, the stadium or whatever else you're planning on doing. But right now, there's going to be an explosion, I think, of sports team sales. We'll see what happens here. Uh, a lot of good stuff coming into the inbox, 650-650. Uh, Rager, it was no banner flying around the city, but I respect it for what the Oakland A's fans did last night. Uh, a tip of the hat. They did their own here. thing. Yeah, ate their way. A, a tip of the hat to what uh, has happened here in this city. Okay, on the other side, we'll talk about uh, the NHL draft two weeks away. It's going to be here before we know it. 14 days. Uh, let's talk about that with Mark Edwards on the other side. You can get your thoughts in, what you want the Canucks to do at 11th overall. It's all coming up here. Home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Vancouver sports fans. Halford and Bruff in the morning. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the show. Second half of the People Show coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Working to connect with uh, Mark Edwards, founder of HockeyProspect.com. So we get set for the NHL draft. Two weeks away, man. Here before we know it. Because now it's real. Like season ends. Cup gets handed out. Buyout season is going to be starting in less than 48 hours. We can talk about that in just a second, too, if, if you foresee any Vancouver Canucks buyouts. Me, personally, I don't, but there is a, a candidate or two. One I've been talking about that I want to see, if you're serious about winning, like an OEL. But uh, we'll, we'll get into a couple of things uh, later on in the show. 650-650 uh, if you want to chime in. But as we prepare for the draft, it's off season. What are you looking at? For 11th overall. Like, who who's on your crush list? Now that we're at this stage, teams are finalizing their list. They'll go through their last meetings. But you yourself, you, you've got your own uh, wish list as well. Text in 650-650. Who is on your crush list right now? I, uh, I'm i a stand for tall, lanky, European defenseman. So you're all about Simashev? Uh Reinbacher. Reinbacher? I'd be stunned. If he's there at 11. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. If he's there, that'd be great. But I feel like it's one of those things. It's like on Christmas Day, you're like, oh, I'm going to get all the presents. I'm going to get the PS5 with all the games. It's like, you're lucky if you get a Game Boy. Yeah, here's a used PS2. <laughs> hey, don't knock it, man. 
By the way, it's are, a strong console. Are we kind of? Uh, are we kind of? Uh, excuse the term, but do we have a bit of PTSD to the whole lanky defenseman in this in this city. Because of Tyler Myers. Because of Tyler Myers. Like, do we see David Reibach and we're like, Ooh, no, turn out no, like Tyler? No, 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 no. That's not that that, that that's not a thing, Tom. No, just my head. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> that's just you living in your world. <laughs> I totally different players, like stylistically too. But I, I just kind of running through this, and you know, my, my I've been open about this. Like, my wish list includes Oliver Moore. I I just don't get it. Like, I feel like I see like a top five player there. Got all the traits, smart player, so much fun to watch. There's that entertainment factor I was talking about earlier. But responsible player, look, I, I guess there's some worry that does his speed parallel with the rest of his game and with teammates because he's freakishly fast. But I see a playmaking, responsible center. It's my type of centers that I love to see. Dudes who are unselfish, and you pair it with a great trait. Boy, can he skate. It's a lot of fun. Let me ask you, since you've, your first position is center, mm-hmm. how do you power rank positional, like... Center D. Really? Oh, yeah. And then winger? Yeah. And then goalie? It, again, it, it it's all in the eye of the beholder, like different philosophies and, and different prioritizing and... And sequencing, but you think center has more value than D, right hand D. I, know, so I, 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 I know they were just talking about this last week on Canuck Central, right? The scarcity of right hand yeah. D is higher, so it's it's a little different. But to me, and and this is the the floor ceiling conversation. To me, defense is about raising the floor, and offense is about raising the ceiling. But you love defense. you you can't win with either, right? You can't have the highest ceiling without a good floor. And you can't win without a good floor. But do you want to spend premium assets trying to raise the floor? Or do you want to spend premium assets trying to raise the ceiling? And and this is just draft theory then. Is It's all great to want to be the, the team that wants to spend 11th overall, 8th overall to raise the floor. But boy, it's like you're, you're, you only get so many opportunities to try to raise the ceiling. And and that to me is is the biggest issue, uh, in, in these types of conversations. But let's get into a lot more with Mark Edwards, who joins us at Mark Edwards HP on Twitter, founder and GM of the of HockeyProspect.com. You can follow them at Scouting Service as well, and they just uh, put out their black book, which is a huge endeavor. Congratulations on putting that one out, Mark. Hey, thanks. How are you doing today? Uh, we are doing fantastic. Uh, two weeks away, so this is the exciting bit, right? Everything gets finalized. You you publish it and. And now it just everyone gets to poke holes in it and 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 try to look and say, well, did they have this guy ranked this high or this guy has ranked this low? So, uh, like, what's the fun bit in, in in the time it gets released before the draft? Yeah, it's uh, it's I think this one's even more so where there'll be some poking because it's um, it's really difficult to rank uh, the top ten this year. It's very tight. Mm-hmm. So I found that this year was a little bit more. Uh, tricky and you're seeing uh, uh, some different names up there. Um, we've got we got a couple Russians that are really strong in uh, Dmitry Simishev and Daniel Boot. Um, they're both in the top ten. You're not seeing that everywhere. Um, but uh, two 
prospects with uh, pretty high ceiling and that are in that top 10 there. And, and you'll see uh, probably uh, David Reinbacher is the number one D in a lot of lists. We've got uh, Simishev is actually the D of those two Russians, and he's our number one D, which I know some some team scouts that have Simishev as number one, but you're not seeing that everywhere. And uh, a lot of talk about, about Reinbacher going in that top 10. We were just talking about, like, in especially in that top 10, it, it it feels different than most years because of the quality of really like the top 18, if you want to say, that you're really going to be able to punch for upside in this draft. And when you talk about some of these players that you feel like your group is higher on, is is it upside pushing that idea? Yeah, the whole variance for us um, in, in ranking it that way, it, there's – you know, I wouldn't talk to tell anybody that they're wrong if you have Benson five. We had Benson five in January. Now he's twelve, and it's just strictly um, how you want to go about it. So you, you know, he's a little bit smaller. Um, the, the game he plays, I think, will be um, challenging uh, at the NHL level just for injury concerns. Now I'm not telling you he's going to be injured his whole career, but it's so tight at the top that that kind of stuff got factored into our ranking. Um, Colby Barlow from Owen Sound, he's uh, a lot closer to a finished product, which can be a negative, but at the same time, feel like he's a little bit lower risk. So all these kind of things, it's how you want to approach it. You know, Gabriel Perot, uh, ridiculous talent. Um, a lot of people thought he was the best player on that U.S. team. Will Smith right there with him, uh, probably the one you'll see ranked highest and most. You know, Will Smith is is got his little flaws here and there. Gabriel Perot, not exactly a, a high end elite skater, but at the same time, probably not a stopper to their game. You know, so all these kind of things factored into really how you want to approach. You want to you want to go for the higher ceiling, maybe a little bit more risk, but that's usually what we do. Um, but this this year, it just seemed like the whole group from about four to 10, 12, that area, there was a little bit more of um, asking ourselves the, the risk reward and, and whatever way you want to go, um, that's where you might see some variance in the rankings. There's some names that popped up uh, here recently of uh, potential interest from the Vancouver Canucks, and I want to start with a, a Nate Danielson. When you watch a player like this, like how do you factor in the environment of what's happening around him versus just isolating what the player's skill set are? That's just another factor exactly that, that comes into how you want to post the ranking. You know, he's he's a player that was on a bad team. You know, you could argue not a whole lot of help. And how do you want to factor that in? You know, is it is did he have a much higher ceiling but didn't have the best NHL draft situation this year, or wouldn't it have mattered? You know, are, are you are you know some guys will say, well, you know, tired of making excuses for that player. You know, or he doesn't have anybody to play with and. Another scout might come along and go, ah, you know, I'm not making that excuse for him. So, obviously, this is, there's a human factor here. Everybody has a different approach to how they see things. And team, what team, how strong is the team, who's he playing with, uh, who's the coach. Um, sometimes it's uh, it might be a player uh, in the BCHL. Where is he playing next year? Is he going to college already next year? All these kind of things uh, are things that scouts uh, look at. And they factor in, especially in a year where the rankings might be tight. So you're looking for any little thing that is going to flip 
you know, this player on top of this player. What's the top, uh, like the, the, the toughest thing to try to project? Cause I, I see a couple of guys like Simashev and, and I really like him too. Olander I really like, and even with someone like Danielson, it feels like, okay, if the offense comes along, these guys are really going to be great. Is is the offense the hardest thing to try to project of what translates to the next level? I think the hardest thing to, for, the, the hardest thing to project is sometimes when it's a high-end player who maybe doesn't compete quite as much as you'd like to see because that's just such a, a human factor that they can, you know, I always say if this guy flicks the switch, we're going to look really bad here um, because – you know, maybe the one factor uh, that's pushing him down is just that flicking the switch factor. All of a sudden, if they, they realize, whoa, you, you know, I can get to another level. Right. So we have uh, an Edward Sala, for example, weighed on at 27. You're going to see him a lot higher on other lists. That's that's why he's down there. There's just like a, a compete factor. Uh, that's his, his lowest area for us, uh, his area of concern for us. Now, if all of a sudden he decides tomorrow – I'm flicking the switch and bring it to another level, our ranking is going to look horrific. So I think that's an area. And then I think probably when you get to um, some of the, the, the defensemen on the smaller side, you know, those ones we can be pretty hard on because we want them to be pretty elite in the skating department and really have high offensive upside. If, and I'm talking about the 5'9-ish, right. that sort of thing. Um, you know, we're pretty hard on them in our rankings unless uh, they really have some ridiculously elite qualities. And, yeah, we're going to miss on some of those. Um, but it's kind of like we're not going to try and find that needle in the haystack every year. We're okay if we maybe miss one once in a while, but then we're right on the other, you know, uh, 49 out of 50, so to speak, to throw, you know, just an arbitrary number. Uh, there's a couple of texts coming in here in our inbox. Uh, I want to launch a couple of questions your way. Just some fans are excited for the draft in a couple of weeks. Talking to Mark Edwards uh, from HockeyProspect.com, founder at uh, Hockey Prospect. Uh, a lot of Will Lander discussion recently, and he seems to be the dri- the, the the late riser here uh, in draft month. What do you think is pushing that? Of like, what traits are, are teams maybe finally catching up on that Will Lander could be a name that goes higher than most people think? Well, he played a lot better in the second half, so that's automatically, you know, logically um, a reason that you see him rising up list. But also just no huge um, standout weakness in his game. You know, skating's great. Uh, pretty good brain. Actually, really, really good brain in the hockey sense. Um, Show some flashes that maybe there's a little bit of offense in the game and then defended really well. Um, you know, tight gaps, good in the neutral zone, um, good one off uh one-on-one off the rush just overall played a much better consistent game uh than in the first half and the first half um i saw him in cornwall junior challenge i mean the whole team looked bad you know his teammate otto stenberg as well it, it just looked like they're like what are we even doing here um so if you if you were just watching that tournament you would never in a million years um imagine either of them in our top 32 but, I mean, that's why you scout all year long. You don't just pick little one- or two-week windows. Is, is there a player that kind of defines, like, where the tier break is going to be for you? Because, look, we've talked about how, how quality this draft class is, but is there is there a spot where you look at it and say, okay, this is kind of where it starts to separate? I think the late teens, um, as far as, you know, being sort of first-round talents, it, it might fall off a bit. Um, and then that actually goes where it's a it's a pretty 
big group where I don't think there's a whole lot of separation sort of in that B group. Cause you know, we'll give the A ranking for first rounders, a B ranking for, for a second, third round grade. And I think, you know, the late, late teens, it kind of switches where they kind of become more B grade players. Uh, but then it goes deep. I think we have more B's this year than we've had in the last uh, five years or so, at least. I think that we have B's going down to uh, about the 50 spot. So usually it's somewhere like 46, 47. So it's only a few, but still. And I mean, this is a human process here. Right. Get me wrong. We're, we're, we're doing it, but it's kind of like the same people doing it every year as far as picking the grades. And it does go a little bit deeper. And it, and it felt like that way all season long where maybe not the, you know, when you get away from the very top where it's really impressive, probably not the deepest um, impressive top 32, but probably a deeper group uh, of bees into the second and the third round this year. I want to pair two players here for you, uh, Zach Benson and Oliver Moore. Because I, I watch these two players, and I, I really like both of them, and I think they have a good head for the game. But, I, you know, I've seen the Benson rankings go anywhere as 5 to anywhere as 18, and, and the Moore one stands out to me. I think you guys are have them at uh, 23 or 25, something like that. And I, I just look at these two players, and I think – like one of them to me has fantastic traits, like physical traits, and that's Oliver Moore. You just see him; and he blazes all over the ice. And and Moore or and, and Benson just feels like the steady metronome, just just plays the game at his speed and influences the game at his speed. But I I, I search for that physical trait or technical trait that doesn't really stand out for me. Um, and yet, like these two players have such different opinions. It feels like in in the scouting space right now. Hi, Siller. Yeah, so I was just curious, like, yeah, just sorry. like, like, why there's there's such a discrepancy on these two players in Benson and Moore? Well, yeah, well, Benson right away you're just gonna have the the size. Mm-hmm. Right? You're gonna have some that that don't care, um, and he's a, he's good enough that he kind of gets into that. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, suffer through the size thing because he's so smart. Uh, you know, the compete level off, and he's got the skill. Really good playmaker as well. So he just a really good player within the smaller package that you kind of just tough it out and, and go with the fact that, well, we wish he was six, two, but he's not. And then more um, ridiculous work ethic. Um, that's what stood out right away. His skating and work ethic are just about as good as you could ask for where he slid for us as the season went along um is just the hockey sense department. Is he a dumb player? No, I wouldn't say he's dumb, but the hockey sense is is trailing with some of the guys in front of him. And also, I think just uh, just from the standpoint of maybe um, his wanting enough to to move pucks and that sort of thing. So, played the game a little bit um, by himself at times, um, but there's a lot of skill there. The skating's ridiculous, and like I said, the work ethic is. Just pretty much as good as anybody in this class. Um, but if you see him a little bit lower uh, on ours, um, it's probably just because of that hockey sense. And we, we do like a hockey sense, compete, skill skating. Those are our four big mm-hmm. categories. Obviously, there's a lot of things into those categories. But the first one I said there was hockey sense, and that's the most important on our list. So if it's a lower grade, then that's going to factor into where a player would sit on our list. Hey, Mark, uh, we really appreciate the time. If people want to find you and uh, the Black Book, where can they go? Yeah, HockeyProspect.com. Uh, just went up on Amazon for the print version as well, and we did a hard copy this year. And then if you just want it instantly, 
there's an instant download PDF. You'll get as soon as uh, the payment clears. Hey, Mark, uh, appreciate the time. I know it's a busy time, and uh, enjoy the next two weeks. No problem. It's uh, Mark Edwards joining us from HockeyProspect.com, at Scouting Service, if you want to follow, or at Mark Edwards HP as well. A lot of uh, love coming in for Reinbacher uh, as well, into our Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. And also, you mentioned Lanky Demon, Dom. Here's you get one. a Triamkin? You forgot about Triamkin. Yeah. He wasn't lanky, though. He was stocky. He, That boy, thick. That was, that's three C's <laughs> thick. He just didn't like the cush. Oh, man. That uh, was the problem. The name that will never go away here in uh, Vancouver. Canucks. He's a free agent or... this year. Yeah. Ethan Bear goes down, and <laughs> hey, if you want to find a it's cheap, like that, cheap replacement. That Brian Scalabrini meme where he's taking off his, his jumpsuit. Right. I'm available. I'm available. I'm ready. Uh, yeah, uh, some people psyched about uh, Simashev as well. Uh, we'll get into a lot more draft discussions in the lead-up to the entry draft in Nashville. Uh, before we go, I know we spend a lot of time talking about sports stuff, and we don't spend a lot of time talking about media-related things. Uh, we've seen it happen, obviously, here in this city, but today, uh, huge layoffs across the nation, and want to send my heart out to all the people that were affected today because that is uh, the crummiest news you can hear. And as we saw it happen here in this city, obviously two stations today uh, with 1040 and 1410, the one thing that I love about this industry, okay, the this job in particular and this medium is I get to connect with you and you get to connect with us. I say this every day that you're part of the show. And I don't just say it because I want you to interact. I say it because this medium is not a one-way street like so many others. You can't interact with the television. You read people. And yeah, you can go in the comment section. You can interact with us online. But this is the most open two-way street medium. And we call it the people's show. And we want you to be involved in the show because this isn't fun to do it without you. And the manner in which people were laid off and have been laid off where people don't get the opportunity to say goodbye to you is so disrespectful and it is so unfortunate. And again, it's happened today and my heart goes out to all the people that were affected because of, obviously there's the personal aspect to it, but we really care and love our ability to interact with you. And when we lose that opportunity, it sucks. And I've left markets and it hurts. And to, to have it go the way it did today in so many places across this country, it's devastating. And just to add to that, Vic, uh, our broadcast brethren, our fellowship, it's a tight-knit group mm-hmm. across companies. And we all recognize when we're, whether we're online or in person together, there's always that string that binds us because we're all in the same medium. We all know uh, the the industry and the risks that we all how sign fragile up for. it can be. Yeah, so we all have a great number of sympathy, great amount of sympathy for each other when uh, it comes to this kind of stuff. So our uh, our hearts go out to everyone uh, that were impacted today, and hopefully, look, we all understand it's business, but uh, things have to 
play out with a little bit more respect. I would love to see that. Uh, 650, 650. Uh, as always, we appreciate uh, your contributions into the People's Show today. Uh, I'm not on for the rest of the week. I will be on Canuck Central uh, with Satyar Shah on Thursday and Friday. We it, are... It's Ben and I tomorrow. There we go. Let's go. We will uh, see you next week. Or at least I will see you here on the People's Show next week. Canuck Central on the way on an overrated, underrated Wednesday uh, coming up here on the Home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.